Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have Armando Mucha. He is the co-founder of Sarah Call Center. They are based in Albania, and I have been learning so much about Albania in this call. It's been a fascinating, fascinating podcast. Uh, We learn about uh, Albania, the economy, the people, the education levels there, the number, the incredible number of languages that Albanians speak, uh, and of course, their strategic location in Europe uh, with the time zones as well to boot. So it's it's strategically really good for outsourcing and it has a very established call center industry also uh, and it's just going from strength to strength so a really good conversation with Armando learning so much about Albania also about Sarah call center uh, and generally the call center industry there as always if you want any of the show notes go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast enjoy This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am here with Armando. Hi, Armando. How are you? We're going to have a crash course in Albania today, so I'm super excited about this this podcast. How are you? Uh, hi, Derek. It's nice to be here. I'm good. I'm good. Good, it's, good. It's finally a sunny day in Tirana. It's been raining for over 20 days so far, and we finally, we're finally getting a little bit of sunshine, so I'm, I'm quite excited today. Great. We were talking before and you were saying you get an extraordinary amount of rain there. Yeah, yeah. Even even though Albania is in the south of Europe and uh, has a lot of sun throughout the year, we have 260, uh, sorry, 280 days of sunshine a year. Tirana is still one of the wettest city in, uh, in Europe. So yeah, during the winter time, we have a lot of rain. You have 280 days of sun or rain? We have 280 days of sun, but in those oh, days where the sun is not out, uh, rain is fully here. Got it. Got it. Gosh, I think I would, I would die. Okay, well, we're now <laughs> here to talk about the, the weather, though, which is, which is good. So um, tell us about Albania. First, now, obviously, you are a call center. You're, you're, with, uh, you're a founder of uh, Sarah Call Center, so we're going to learn all about that. But first we want to explore Albania and that is a new outsourcing destination. They're popping up everywhere and it's a fantastic opportunity for for countries to join the global economy. So um, first frame Albania for us, give us some perspective on what it is, where it is, uh, and then we can dive into the the outsourcing opportunity for Albania. Yeah. uh, uh Yeah. 
Albania is kind of a new entry in the BPO industry. The industry has not been developing for a very long time here. Uh, the first call centers in Albania arrived close to 15 years ago, uh, but it has been exploding ever since. Albania is a tiny country based in Europe, right in front of Italy, above Greece, uh, and it has 3 million citizens. There's actually 20 million Albanians in the world, but only 3 million of them live uh, within Albania. Most of them live outside of Albania. Uh, Albania is one of the countries that in the past used to have uh, communism uh, as an as a ideology uh, of politics. And when communism fell, fell in 1990, uh, a lot of Albanians were trying to seek new opportunities to succeed in life. A lot of, uh, before communism, nobody was uh, allowed to go to college. Only one member of a family was allowed to go to college. Uh, most of them had to work for the party uh, in manual labor. Uh, but since communism fell, a lot of people have been attending college, and now it's mandatory to know at least two foreign languages. Um, because Albanian is a language that is spoken only in Albania. So Albanians have the need to know other languages if they want to interact with, uh, with the world. Um, and this ability of Albanians to learn foreign languages, we have 36 letters in our alphabet. And this makes it even easier for us to pronounce different sounds in different languages. Uh, wow. It's very common in Albania to meet people who speak at least three or four foreign languages, uh, mainly European ones. Uh, almost every single Albanian speaks Italian. Two out of three Albanians speak English. Uh, and one out of three Albanians speaks either French, Spanish, or German. Um, when we are on what board... What about the, the, the sort of cultural anchors? Are you... Are you culturally anchored to kind of English uh, media or is it Italian or Greek or where are you sort of, where, where are your cultural anchors or of course the, the Soviets? Um, Albania has lost every touch it had with the Soviet. So there's nothing cultural uh, uh, that comes from uh, the Soviet countries uh, still around Albania today. Uh, there's a lot of influence from English-speaking countries. The U.S. has a massive uh, influence in media, um, in literature. Uh, most people, when they speak English, they have this American accent uh, due to the interactions that Albania has with the U.S. There's uh, 4 million Albanians living in the U.S., so there's more Albanians in the U.S. than there are in Albania itself. Uh, and this has helped Albanians within Albania to practice their English even better with their relatives. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of them who have been going to the U.S. and then coming back to Albania as well. And in terms of the economy then, I see it's mostly a service sector economy and a little bit of manufacturing. Like how would you, how would you describe the economy there? And also what are the... What are the younger generations doing? You know, what are the, what are the careers and jobs? Uh, the, the Albanian government has uh, put as a priority to make Albania as a business destination. Uh, it's very easy to set up a business in Albania. It costs you 70 cents, and within 20 minutes, you already have a business up and running. Uh, uh, you just need to apply, and 20 minutes la later, you get the approval. It is that easy and that cheap to set up a business in Albania. Um, and this is because Albanians are highly trained. They're highly skilled. Um, they have the capability of speaking a lot of foreign languages, which makes business opportunities thrive. Uh, there's a lot of foreign investments coming into Albania right now in different industries, Tourism is booming. Uh, tourism has been going up at uh, insanely high rates. Albania has doubled its uh, number of tourists coming every year. Uh, 
in in less than a decade. And that is crazy. That is a rate that has not been seen in neighboring countries like Greece or Montenegro, where tourism has started developing uh, in the 60s or in the 70s. In Albania, tourism has lately started to develop. So numbers are going very high. Great. And what about costs then? What about salaries? What about standards of living? Um, you know, what what uh, what are typical salaries in the country? I think Albania, especially Tirana, it's such a, a great destination for business and to live uh, because you could get a flight for 20 euros from Tirana to any European capital uh, and you're in those capitals within less than an hour. And that is amazing. But at the same time, you're within a country where uh, with 600 euros a month, you can have a above average standard of living. With, 60, with 600 euros a month, you could afford a good decent apartment in central Tirana. You could afford to go out to dinner twice a week. You could get a car. You could have a car with 600 euros a month. And that is totally doable. Uh, so you are in the heart of Europe, because if you look at the European map, Albania is very close to, to Central Europe, um, even though it's part of the South. Um, and you are geographically so well centered, but yet having the benefits of low cost. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect mix, isn't it? And uh, do you get a lot of uh, digital mo- nomads there? Like, uh, has it has it? Yes, uh, we do. Yeah. With the the nomads. Yes, we do. Uh, when the whole pandemic striked, Albania sort of became the destination for digital nomads uh, because a lot of countries had closed their borders, uh, and the Albanian government decided to have a, a different approach. We did not close our borders. Um, everybody was welcomed. We did have our own set of measurements to prevent uh, the spread of coronavirus, but closing the borders, the Albanian government thought that was not that should not be one of them. So we had a lot of uh, digital nomads uh, who moved to Albania uh, and they were working remotely and still enjoying the beach. We have incredibly beautiful beaches in the south and in the north. Uh, so you could see these people working remotely from Albania and, you know, having all the benefits that Albania has to offer. Yeah, this is the incredible thing about the new world, isn't it? Like you just everything's becoming borderless. And now that you can work from wherever and tap into the global economy, it's just so powerful. And then, of course, it's a it's a two way street. So now everyone in Albania uh, who obviously has a fantastic grasp of multiple languages can also tap into the global economy. So you can still live in your home. Uh, you can still take advantage of the lower costs, but you can tap into the, the, the you know, sort of global uh, economy. It's just so, so, so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's exactly the beauty of outsourcing. Uh, we have clients who are based in Canada, uh, our operators are based in Albania, and the clients of our partners, of our, our client based in Canada, are uh, somewhere in Africa or somewhere in Asia. And this is mm-hmm. this to me is fascinating. We have somehow managed through communication to make the world seem so small. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. To me, it's, it's beautiful, and outsourcing uh, may, definitely makes this possible very easy. Yeah, it's becoming completely irrelevant, and I think the older world businesses and existing businesses you know, that, that were born 20 years ago, the geography is still very relevant, but the new generation of businesses and also the new generations of people starting these businesses – um, often, you know, the country, the market, it's completely irrelevant because you're, you're just, everything's kind of on the internet. And then you have these incredible rails, which are like the e-commerce and the marketplaces and things like this, which enable you to sort of sell and distribute and just basically kind of work 
through the like globally. It's uh, incredibly powerful. And of course, so we should probably kind of segue into outsourcing, you know, and even really, I suppose, you know, what is your perception of outsourcing? So, you know, do you see you're called a call center, but are you are you sort of doing telephone kind of work or um, where do you see the opportunity within outsourcing yourself? Um, yeah, that is such a such a big question in the outsource world, and it's so hard to give an exact answer to that. Um, from from a client's perspective, I see outsourcing as a great opportunity and also a great risk at the same time. Um, outsourcing can really uh, make your business thrive, but if done wrong, it can really make your business suffer. It's very important uh, before you start integrating outsourcing into your business, it's very important for you to take a minute and realize what is it exactly that you want to outsource. There's a lot of companies out there considering outsourcing and there's a lot of them reaching out to us. But when they do call us, they, they're not that clear of what exactly they want to outsource. They're, they're, they're calling you and they're asking you, so yeah, I've heard about outsourcing and all the benefits it gives you. Cause you know, it's 2022. I think every single, um, uh, administrator or owner or CEO of a company already knows what outsourcing is and what the BPO world can offer to outsourcing. And a lot of them are, uh, are at the point where they want to make the switch and they call you and they're like, so I want to, I want to I want to integrate this into my business. And they expect you to do everything. Um, well, how how do you how do you phrase that then? Like how do you present outsourcing because I think people's perceptions of what it is vary, but also I think outsourcing firms have very different approaches, you know, like whether they control the entire process themselves, whether it's kind of a done-for-you model or whether you're just really recruiting staff and then letting the clients, you know, treat them like normal employees. So where do you see outsourcing or how do you apply outsourcing? Where do you see it best fit? Um, we have done them both. We have a lot of clients who have uh, uh, used our employees and they, uh, they decide how to better uh, take advantage of their skills um, without us interfering. So whenever a client needs the flexibility of managing the project itself, we're more than happy to let them do that. But mostly what we do is that we take on a project and we develop it out, uh, ourselves. So we're not just offering operators or agents uh, or assistants. We're doing a lot more than that. We're offering know-how. We're offering instruments. We've, uh, we're offering uh, knowledge that we've gained from previous projects. Uh, I always want to start with a very friendly conversation with uh, with our new partner because uh, my goal is to help them make money because if they do achieve that, then I've reached my goal and they will need me more and they will hopefully consider giving more business uh, into the outsourcing world and hopefully choosing our company in doing so, choosing Seracol in doing so. Um, so we always start. And does that mean then you, they're kind of projects or, or like what if someone wants, you know, I'm just sort of throwing this at you, but what if they want, what if someone wants an, an accountant or a bookkeeper? Then what if someone wants a uh, graphic designer? What if someone wants social media and then someone wants someone in sales? Can you help with all of those or you have a very specific niche and vertical that you focus on and are able to provide solutions for? We can definitely help them with all of that, uh, though I would say this is not the core of our business. The core of our business would be uh, customer support and cold calling. Uh, we 
especially in the electricity and gas industry, we are quite big. We have over 12 European par uh, partners for which we generate close to 25,000 new clients a month from scratch. Um, and to us, that's a big number. Uh, that has helped us grow a lot. Uh, it's very difficult. In the early stages of Seracol in 2012, uh, we started working on those projects that no other BPO would take. You know, uh, on LinkedIn, there's a million solar companies offering uh, this and that and wanting you to work for them. Um, and usually BPOs don't like those kinds of projects. Uh, they're risky. Uh, they're not that profitable. Uh, and honestly, they're very hard to manage. Were they, are they like commission-only kind of projects? Uh, they, tend, they tend to start that way. Uh, they tend to start that way. But what we always do, uh, we have a different approach when it comes to campaigns like that. Uh, we have uh, social media for us. It's a great instrument for lead generation. Uh, these companies, what they tend to do is that they give you a list of clients to call. And the list of clients they have is the list that every other company has. And these clients have been receiving at least 10 to 15 calls a week for the same topic. So it's crazy. So it's clearly not working for anybody. It's not working for the clients they're bothering. It's not working for them because they're not making any profit out of this, these lists. The, the approach we've decided to take on that is social media. We do a lot of promotions. So what we tell our partners is we need to have control of your Instagram. We need to have control of your Facebook page. And what we're going to do is that we're going to develop a whole marketing uh, scheme on that. And this is how we're going to generate leads. This is how we're going to generate potential clients for you. And this has helped us a lot because we are using a lot less operators to succeed but we are giving a lot more results. Sorry, we're giving a lot more results. And are you, so then, you know, it's a social media approach to lead generation or a digital approach to lead generation. Are you then also calling people or it is purely just a social media play in that example? It starts with the social media and from then it switched to, to text messaging. And only after we see interest from the clients uh, from the prospects, then we do a final call and then schedule an appointment with a consultant. So you, you get them to engage in the social media, then you start chatting to them, and then you qualify them, and then you get them on a call uh, to, to sort of, whatever, close the lead or deal. That is exactly what we do, yes. Interesting, interesting. That is, you know, that's a that's a great approach, isn't it? But I suppose the 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 difficult part there is, especially if they're handing out, you know, their these accounts to multiple people, are they necessarily going to want to hand over their control the control of their uh, social media channel? You know, do, did you get a lot of resistance to that? In the beginning, they always do resist because in the beginning, they think that we are, uh, our goal is to just get into their Instagram account or Facebook account. Um, but eventually they do realize because we don't push on that. If they want to do that themselves, they can totally do that. We can offer trainings to companies who are not comfortable in doing that. And we can show them how we filter uh, the areas we promote because uh, everybody is familiar with promoting on Instagram and everybody can do that. Uh, but not a lot of people know that you can filter the promotion you're doing into specific cities and neighborhoods, into specific interests of people. And this is what we do. Um, so we can just show them how to do that and then, then they can do that themselves. Uh, sure. I mean, any 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 digital marketer knows that, don't they? But I suppose the companies might not know that. But any digital marketer would know that. Maybe call centers wouldn't know that, you know. But um, but I suppose that's where your value is, is because you're combining the two skill sets, both of kind of a 
a call center and sort of process improvement and social media marketing. Yeah, I feel like this is exactly what we do. We tend to every day think of different ways how to solve the problems that our partners are facing. Uh, we're not reinventing the wheel. There's no need to do that. There's a lot of, there's a million solutions out there. Uh, and clients can totally do this themselves. The question is, how long will it take them to get there? And how much money will they spend to get there? Yeah, exactly. And the, the value, of course, is to be able to scale that up, isn't it? You know, it's, it's to be able to do that um, to a lot of people, you know, and as you've, as you've shown, it's, it's powerful once you can scale it up because you can generate tens of thousands of leads a month. That's yeah. really interesting. That's, that's what other hacks have you got? That, that sounds, you know, it's, it's fascinating because the problem is, as you say, with phone calls, like these lists are being burnt uh, and they're being called so many times. And if you just take the same approach as everyone else and you're going in through the front door, then you're going to get that door slammed on your face. Whereas if you, go around the outside as you suggest you know or try a different approach or a different um you know attempt root technique uh then it, it can pay dividends yeah yeah exactly uh when we are doing cold calling to answer your question of what other hacks we might have um when we do cold calling we usually tend to start with a little survey uh with some questions that are related to all the industries we work with. Uh, when we see in our process of cold calling, when we see clients that are willing to listen to you, then we want to know more about their interests. Because if they are willing to listen to you, statistically, there will be a percentage of them who will accept what you're offering. And if right now I am calling them to offer them uh, a loan, or I am calling them to offer a switch of their electric company, because in Europe, as you know, uh, it, the market of electricity is a free market, so people can choose from different companies, uh, whereas in some other countries, this is not uh, yet doable. Um, so regardless of why we're calling these people, we always tend to, to ask them a few more questions so that in the future, if we are working for a different campaign, we already know uh, which customers are probably going to accept what we are offering. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, you're kind of accruing value, aren't you? You're, you're building a big database of people that are open to certain things. And, yes. Yeah, fascinating. fascinating. And uh, gosh, yeah. That's great. So would you, when you do the survey, the survey approach, would you then try and close someone on the same phone call or you would just use the survey approach to first gather information and even build rapport uh, or even then potentially set an appointment or would you go sort of right through the whole process in, in one call if you could? It depends on the nature of the campaign for which we're calling. There has been uh, there have been times in which we've done only the survey, um, and it also depends on the reaction that the client is having. When we see that we have an impatient client, uh, we don't want to bother them. Uh, we are working, but so are the people we are calling. Uh, so. We don't want them to hate the job we do because a lot of them do tend to dislike the fact that we're calling. Um, and this is because a lot of companies out there tend to just call anybody, anytime. And just because the law says that you can call from 8.30 in the morning to 9 p.m., people think that, yeah, I should call them at 8.30 in the, in the morning. Um, and I personally don't agree with that. Uh, because what you're doing there is that you're ruining the whole market for everybody else. Uh, these are these can be potential clients, but they will develop this dislike to the nature of the business, and they will never agree to answer these calls ever again. And we don't want that yeah. to happen. Yeah, I think that's the nature of anything, though, isn't it? You know, everything, if there's an avenue in, 
to anything, then then it just gets pummeled until that avenue has you know been exhausted. I, I, I can't imagine a market really where people are going to really sort of collaborate to preserve it. But you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it does happen. Yeah. Uh, so you find that you get better results by calling mid morning. I mean, it would just make more sense, wouldn't it? Like if if someone's getting ready for work or getting their kids off to school or having breakfast, you have less chance of having a receptive call at that time. Like, wouldn't it make more sense to call in the times when people are more receptive to a call? Of course, that's common sense, but it's not common use, unfortunately. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that have called us we have had clients call us and without proper training they wanted to have us onboarded within two days and and they have this emergency and they say they're willing to give you the hourly rate you want they will give you 25 dollars an hour but please let's start working uh we we don't like that and we don't tend to onboard that way because it's not about how much money you're giving us per hour. It's about what results can we give you? Even if you promise me $25 an hour uh, and I have not trained my people properly and you have not told me exactly what you need and you have not allowed me the time to research more about exactly what you want me to deliver, less than a week later, you're going to call me and you're going to tell me that this is not working for you. Because the reason why you're hiring... Yeah, I'm not surprised at that, to be honest, because, you know, like that just doesn't sound a sensible approach at all, does it? Maybe, maybe. So what else, what else, like... So I understand that. I understand the the sales. I understand, you know, lead generation, appointment setting, things like that. Um, what else can this work with? Uh, you know, is it is it inbound? You do customer service, like we do a lot of other- we do a lot of customer service for European based companies. Um, uh, Albania has over eighty five percent of customer service for Italian companies. So 85% of Italian companies outsource their customer service to Albanian-based call centers. Um, But not only Italy. I'm just taking Italy as an example. Um, And Italy is a big country. There's there's 60 million uh, people in their big country to European standards, I mean. Um, Sure. yeah, big, and, big economy. Yeah. And we do do a lot of customer service. Wow. And so, and I assume that's omni-channel, like that's 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 calls and emails and texting and the whole the whole shebang. Yeah? Yes, it's it's all of that, and we do put our operators uh, through extensive training when it comes to customer service. Uh, because in the beginning of this topic, I, I said that outsourcing can be a great opportunity, but also a great risk. Uh, and customer service, I think, can be a great testimony to that. If you don't do customer service the proper way, you are actually damaging the brand you're working for. Mm. So you need to take for your... Sure. Yeah, you need to take... I, I, think, I think companies dramatically underestimate the complexity of customer service done well and they dramatically undervalue it being done properly you know and i think part of the issue is that customer service is never really seen as a core function of a business and it's more of an annoyance but you know what is more core than your clients and customer service is the coalface of where your company interacts with your clients. Uh, and it, it's really important to get it right, really important to get it right. But, you know, and, and it's very difficult, isn't it? It, it? it takes a lot to build systems that enable um, efficient customer service. It really does take a lot. Um, it's, to me, it fascinates how you only realize the importance of customer service 
when you reach thousands and thousands of clients calling you. Only then you realize how important customer service is for your business. When you're a small or medium enterprise and you don't have a lot of customers, you think that customer service is a waste of time uh, because you've not, you haven't been in quantity, you haven't been losing enough clients to realize that. But when your company becomes really big and you have a lot of clients and you're losing some of them, then you realize oh, wow, I actually should invest in customer service, in good customer service. And investing in good customer service within your company, it's hard and it's time-consuming. And finding the right talents, it really takes a very long time. Whereas call centers and the BPO industry has already done that. We already have the system in place. We already have encountered all the problems that you are going to encounter. And we already have multiple solutions to them. And sometimes some companies think that the secret of customer service relies on how quickly you're going to call to the, uh, sorry, how quickly you're going to answer to the call of the client. Uh, I don't find that to be always the case. Most of the time is how you're going to handle that call. The person you've put there, is he aware of the importance the single client has for your business? Because you're interacting with only one client, but that client knows a lot of other people who know your business. So you don't want to lose that person because every single client we're talking to is an opportunity for for the client we're working for. Um, And finding the right balance, putting the right people who have the patience to talk with a category of clients who require a lot of patience, other people who have the knowledge to talk with clients who need their knowledge, and other people... Yeah, I think think it's, it's... It's managing the knowledge, though, isn't it? You know, having having an intimate understanding of the product and how it all interconnects, and then the client's journey through that product, and you know, all of these. As, as soon as there's, it becomes so complex so quickly. You know, like a, a simple SaaS product, maybe there's a little bit of uh, technical support needed there. But if you're an electricity company or a bank, or you know, and there's multiple products and millions of clients and trillions of transactions, gosh, it can get really complicated really quick. And, you know, then I find that becomes an enormously complex thing to manage the the knowledge needed to be able to deliver customer service. Yes. Yes. And I'm not saying these companies don't know how to do it. They certainly know how to do it. It costs a lot of time and a lot of money to do so. So outsourcing these processes to countries like Albania, I think is the smartest choice that most CEOs are making. And this, I think this is a fact nowadays. It's not a a matter of opinion anymore. Yeah. And you were saying, so there are quite a few, I mean, if you're already servicing the majority of Italy, there must be quite an established call center industry there already. Oh yeah, there's there's over 800 call centers in Tirana alone. There's a, wow. in a country of three million people, 180,000 of them already work in the call center industry in Tirana itself, and that's close to 12 percent of the citizens of Tirana. Wow, that's so, huge. Yeah, it, it has been growing. Are they, are they sort of international brands, or are they uh, Albanian? companies? So these are all international companies. Call centers in Albania operate mainly uh, for foreign companies. Got it. They're, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, But other, other call centers, are they foreign call center brands or are they Albanian call centers? Yes, most call center, uh, international call center brands are already present in Albania. Uh, Teleperformance is here. Uh, Teleperformance has close to 3,000 employees in Tirana alone. Um, A a lot of other... A lot of other... And and what proportion of the call center roles would be in English versus 
Italian or other languages, do you know? Now, this is the greatest question to Albania, I think, because right now we are at a switching point. If you would have asked me this question five years ago, Derek, the answer to that would have been 90% of them are Italian, French, Spanish, German languages, and only 10% is English. But right now, with the influence the U.S. has been having in Albania, things are switching. And now over 50% of call centers are operating in English rather than other languages. So this tells us that in the past year, in, in the past five years, uh, the development that's been coming into the BPO world in Albania has been led by English-speaking companies and operators. And... Mm. If we are trying to hire for a new project, this is this is interesting. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started a new project for uh, a U.S.-based client of ours, in uh, and we put out a notice to recruit. We needed only twelve people for this project. It was a small project, uh, and we put out a. a a notification on uh, a promotion, sorry, a promotion on Instagram, and 260 people answered that. And out of 12 that we needed, there's a waiting list of 140 people who were qualified for the job. They had what they needed. Right. This is an amazing opportunity. Because in a lot, and why is that then? Because the rest of the world, there's a there's a severe labor shortage. Like, is there like high unemployment rates in Albania? Why, you know, every country in the world, including the Philippines and from what I understand, India, you know, there is a severe shortage of of good, capable people. Um, what is it with Albania? Uh, a lot of Albanians are only realizing now the benefits of working in. Uh, the call center industry in the BPO world. Uh, if you are in your early and late 20s, there is no better job in terms of salary that you could do in Tirana but the BPO industry. If you work in a call center, you're probably making the double of whatever another person working in another industry is making. And since these are... Uh, Corruption in Albania is one of the biggest problems. And where is corruption? That means that a lot of people are not following the law. Um, in the BPO industry, and especially in hiring people, in the BPO world, this is not happening. Just because a lot of people are being hired into call centers, uh, the government is very strict on how these companies treat their employees. So if you're working in a call center, not only you're making more money, you also have a more secure job right now in Albania. And that is why a lot of Albanians want to do this. Uh, another reason is with opening the doors to the English world, with the time difference between Albania and the U.S., with, uh, with the East Coast, we're only six hours ahead. Uh, this gives a great opportunity because our operators can do this as a second job in the evenings. So they can start working from 5 up to 1 a.m. And this is a great opportunity that, that a lot of people out there want. Got it. You know, it's fascinating. Like, it, it, There's a lot of similarities between the development of the Philippine call center industry. At the beginning, it was kind of shunned. Everyone, everyone sort of thought it was a very lowly job. And then they realized, actually, you know, it paid really well. Not only that, but it actually offered really good, exciting careers and, and career progression. And then also, you know, the Philippine government was very strict in terms of the labor laws, particularly with with BPOs because a lot of them are foreign owned so it really ensured that these uh, call centers and BPOs really looked after their staff which again is a fantastic thing because it it creates a win-win sort of situation for everyone involved and then you get increasing salaries you get staff that are being well well treated well paid uh, there's a lot of career progression and that just then kind of gets the wheels of the economy turning 
uh, and it, it benefits everyone. It, it's and it's fantastic to see this sort of spin out in in other countries as well, um, because it is it's a model that can be replicated. Um, you know, and it's not about sweatshops and mistreating people. It's about treating people well, paying them well, uh, and and then everyone kind of benefits. It's fascinating to see. Uh, Amanda, are there any? Do you have any like uh, connections with the UK? I mean, you know, Albania and UK. Um, it's obviously relatively close, and the time zones relatively similar. Um, are there are there sort of you servicing the needs of the UK? Right now, we don't have UK-based clients, uh, but we are open to receiving them. Uh, Albania and the UK uh, has so many direct flights. It's only two hours of flying away. Uh, you could hop on a plane for $20 from um, uh, from London to Tirana, and here you are. It's... Uh, in time difference, it's, it's only one hour of difference between the two countries. Um, and there's, there's a great opportunity for the UK and Albania as well. Um, there's, right now, things are just opening up in many different sectors. The sector where you see it the most is tourism. There's loads of planes coming every summer now in Albania with UK citizens choosing Albania as their summer destination. There's uh, overall eight yearly festivals that are held from UK companies to the, Albani the, to the south of Albania. Uh, so the connections between the two countries have never been stronger than now. There's a lot more opportunities of exchange right now than there was five years ago. When it comes to the BPO world, we are still looking for that interconnection, which has not happened yet. There's not a lot of companies from the UK that have chosen Albania uh, so far. And uh, I think part of that is the fault of call centers. We have not been marketing uh, in, to the UK in the right amount and in the right form. The U.S. and yeah, Canada. I find it interesting because the Philippines actually doesn't have a lot of connection to the U.K. either, and the U.K. actually is very culturally connected to India and Pakistan a little bit more. You know, there's there's huge sort of immigration there and a lot of family connections. So I think that the default for the U.K. is over to over to India, and it would be interesting to see how that changes over time. You know, with more. Uh, more closer entrance to the outsourcing market. Yes, yes. It's always difficult to change customers' behavior. Uh, that's the hardest thing you can do in marketing. Uh, and I think that the UK is a great testimony to that. Companies in the UK are used to always get these services from uh, India and Pakistan. And now with, with Albania in their eyes, we're going to see what happens. We're certainly investing on on making that happen. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, so you're seeing a lot of growth in the industry. You're seeing a lot of opportunity. Oh, I definitely do. Yes, I definitely do. The more people come to Albania from the UK, the more they're going to realize and uh, see the benefits that the country has to offer. Uh, eventually, it will come to the BPO world for sure. Yeah, no, I can imagine, and I'm actually looking at photos online of your of your beaches now and your old towns, and yeah, it's a beautiful country. I, I if it wasn't for COVID, I'd be booking booking a flight. <laughs> so, fantastic. So no, thank you, thank you so much. Like, what a brilliant insight into Albania and Tirana and the call center industry. Uh, you know, and and it's fascinating, and I really do think that you have an incredible opportunity there with all of the languages that you speak, and also your your geographical location. You know, because it it's just so uh, got so many synergies with time zones with so many countries. It's it's incredibly incredibly powerful. So I certainly wish Albania well. Uh, <laughs> so Amanda, um, tell us a little bit about. Sarah Call Center then, and uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to to know more? Um, 
I'm going to avoid the typical presentation that every, every owner or CEO does to their company. Um, Seracol started as a very small project of mine and my business partner uh, 10 years ago. Uh, we have been working in the industry since we were 18 years old. And one day, uh, 10 years ago, we decided to venture on our own uh, company. Uh, and we decided to name it Seracol. Uh, the reason why we decided to name it Seracol is because my business partner's daughter is uh, name is Sarah. Uh, and we wanted to have a little bit of a family touch into the company. And we wanted to take care of this company just as we do take care of Sarah. Uh, and I think this is exactly what makes Seracol different from other call centers. Sure, we're, we're great at our job. We do our job fairly. We're trying to help out companies just as a lot of other call centers are doing that. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to waste people's times in, we're great at telemarketing. We're great at lead generation. There's no other company better than us in customer service. I'm going to avoid all of that. Uh, because it should it should not be up to me to say that it should be up to the uh, clients who have worked with us. Uh, but what I'm going to say is that, professionally speaking, Derek, this is all we got. Me and my business partner. This is this is all what we've been doing all of our lives, and we want to keep doing this. So, with each new onboarding project, I can promise everyone that we're going to take good care of their interests and we're always going to follow the philosophy of we're going to do everything in our power to help you make money and to help you have a good quality of service and at points there will be moments in in which it's going to be hard doing that but trust me i want you to know that we're trying our best into giving you that Good man. And I, I, look, I think it's always worth a phone call and worth exploring these new markets, new opportunities, because it's, uh, it, it's, it's worth that, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, and you can learn a lot just by having a phone call. So fantastic. Good man. And how can people get in touch? Yeah, they can write us to our website, uh, net. Sorry, I'm going to repeat that, www.seracolcenter.net. And there's a ask for a quote form. Um, and I, we always tend to answer within half an hour whenever clients are or whomever is reaching out to us through, through that channel. Good, man. Armando, thank you. Great conversation. Thank you, Derek. That was Armando Mucha of Sarah Call Center. As always, if you want any of the show notes or want to get in touch with them, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to ask us anything, send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.